All right, so we are making our way through Unit 6 of Jews, Israel, and Jesus. And Unit 6 is called Covenant. We're looking at various covenants between God and his people. And we've made it up to point E, which is God's covenant with David. And it's one-sided and everlasting. So it's a one-sided covenant that God promised to David. And we're going to look at the details of how this came about. Well, during the days of David, after David had become king, it was in his heart to build God a house. Now, that means a temple. David wanted to build a gigantic, glorious temple for the Lord because David lived in the stronghold of Zion, which had been converted into a king's palace. And he thought, well, I'm living in this palace, but the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is in a tent. And that's not right. God should have a more glorious house to live in than I do. So that's what was in his heart. So this is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, just so you get the background of this. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. So their conversation went on, and David wanted to build God a house, and Nathan the prophet said, Do whatever is in your heart to do. But later, God spoke to Nathan the prophet, corrected him, and had him go go back and speak to David again. So this is now picking up at verse 5. The Lord says to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? So God wasn't upset about living in a tent. God is extremely humble. Even though he reigns sovereign and supreme over all the earth, he doesn't need a big spectacle to know that he's God. He just is. So he's not upset about dwelling in a tent while David has a house of cedar. He said, I never asked you to build me a house. But from there, seeing David's heart and knowing what God had purposed to do, God then makes a covenant promise to David. We're at verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house." When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. So God's saying, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to make you a house. And we talked about in a prior unit, like the house of Abraham. That's not the tent that Abraham lived in. That was his household. So God was saying, you're not going to make me a temple to dwell in. I'm going to make you into the house of David. And one of your offspring after you 
I'm going to give him an eternal kingdom. That's what's going on here. God is going to turn David into the house of David. So again, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So this is the promise from God to David that he, his descendant, is going to be the seed that crushes the head of the serpent, God is going to be a father to him, and he will establish an eternal kingdom that will dwell forever and ever. This is the promise. It is one-sided. God is saying, I will raise up. I will establish. I will be to him a father. Your kingdom will be made sure forever, your throne forever and ever. I will, I will, I will forever, forever, forever. One-sided, eternal covenant. Well, I know the word covenant wasn't specifically used in that discourse, but just so you see it with your own eyes, at the end of David's life, he confirms and states plainly that God had entered into a covenant with him. So this is David's last words. This is from 2 Samuel chapter 23, starting with verse 1. Now these are the last words of David, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of a man who was raised on high, the anointed one of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. So that's a long description of who David is or who David was. We're at verse two. The spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? But worthless men are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken by the hand." But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of the spear. They are utterly consumed with fire. So David is saying, God has made an everlasting covenant with me, and he did it because I ruled justly over the people, and I ruled them in the fear of God. So God made an everlasting covenant promise to me to fulfill all my desire. And David's desire, what was it? It was God's desire that God would be known by all people in every nation of the earth, that there would be the kingdom of God ruling and reigning over all nations, over all peoples. David's heart's desire is for God to reign supreme and receive the worship that he is so worthy of. And then David shifts and he speaks about the judgment day that is to come. Worthless men are like thorns. They're going to be thrown away. They cannot be taken up by 
the hand, and they will be utterly consumed with fire on the day of the judgment of the Lord. But the everlasting covenant that God has cut with David, his seed will be the one that through faith in his seed and alignment with the kingdom of God in the seed of David, there will be protection from the day of judgment. Now, God's covenant with David was also remembered in the Psalms and the prophets. So let's take a look at some of the scriptures pertaining to that. This is Psalm 89, which we covered already in the prophecies from the Psalms about the Messiah. Because remember, the seed of David is the Messiah who God gives the eternal kingdom to. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on Psalm 89, but I want you to hear with your ears that this is the reiteration of the promise, the covenant promise that God made with David. And it says also here that he didn't just enter into covenant, but he also swore it with an oath, an oath of the covenant between God and David. So this is Psalm 89, starting with verse 19. Of old, you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days of the heavens. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. So again, this is one-sided. You heard me emphasize with my voice, I will, I will, I will not remove my promise. I will not break my promise. I will not lie. I am not a liar. I am God. The Lord is swearing by himself the same way that God swore to Abraham by himself. God swore to David by himself because there is no one higher. He is guaranteeing that this seed of David is going to come and have an eternal kingdom. Well, let's keep going. I know we know, and we've already talked in a prior unit about how Jesus fulfills this and is the seed of David, but let's keep looking. We're in unit six now. We're looking 
at covenant. So we're looking now at different ways that God confirmed the covenant that he cut with David through the Psalms and the prophets. So one more Psalm. This is Psalm 132, verse 11. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. So you see, that's another longer reference about God's promise to David that he swore with an oath that one of David's descendants, the seed of David, was going to be the anointed one, the light, the lamp of God, and all his enemies would be put to shame. What did God say to Abraham, your seed, they will possess the gate of their enemies. Well, this seed of David, his enemies will be clothed with shame, but there will be a shining crown upon his head. And just as a side note, there are many, many, many references to David throughout the Psalms and throughout the prophets, and they're not just referring to David the man, they're also calling to remembrance this promise that the Lord made to David of the Messiah, the seed of David who is yet to come. But these two that we just looked at, they're longer passages that specifically pertain to God's covenant promise and oath that he swore to David about the king and the kingdom that would be coming. So let's also look, this is now Amos chapter 9, starting with verse 8. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom. Unfortunately, that's Israel and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword. Those who say disaster shall not overtake or meet us. So those who have a false confidence, those who might be boasting, oh, I'm, I'm a person of Israel, so the God of Israel, he's going to protect me, even though they're continuing on in rebellion and disobedience and sin against God and against his laws and against his ways. The people who are saying with their mouths, no disaster is going to come upon me because I'm the person of God. The disaster is going to come upon them specifically. They will die by the sword. God's going to shake things up and all the sinners will fall through. But no one who is genuinely calling upon the name of the Lord will fall through the sieve as God shakes it. We're up to verse 11. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. So the booth of David was a tent 
tent that David built in the city of Zion, in the city of David in Jerusalem, and he brought the Ark of the Covenant into the tent that he had pitched for it. So he was in the palace, God was in the tent, but God was not in the tabernacle according to the pattern of Moses. God was now in a tent in the city of Jerusalem that David had pitched so that the Ark of the Covenant of God could be near him. So God is saying in that day, at the end of the age, when I shake all of the nations and shake Israel through all of the nations, then I'm going to raise up the tent of David again and repair its breaches and raise it up as in the days of old. We're at verse 12, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. Huh? That means they might possess their enemies? Yep, there we go. What did we just say? Possess the gate of your enemies. And, the scripture continues, and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. So, the tent of David is going to be restored in the last days, and all the nations of the earth will come to worship in the tent of David. So, through the descendant of David that God is going Going to raise up and give an eternal kingdom to, all the nations will come to worship the God of Israel, not in the tabernacle according to the pattern of the law of Sinai, the two-sided covenant, but according to the worship that the God of all creation deserves from all the nations in the earth, even from sinners who have received mercy from him. And the scriptures go on. There are some other scriptures listed in your study guide about how God remained faithful in spite of Israel's rebellion, in spite of kings who were evil in the line of David. God remained faithful and said, David will never lack a man to sit on the throne. I will preserve a lamp to shine for David. And the scriptures are there in your study guide so you can review them yourself. But God made a covenant with David and confirmed confirmed it with an oath that one of his descendants would be the one through whom God would build his house. And it would be an everlasting kingdom where people would dwell with him and worship him forever. (music) 